Advent 1, first Sunday, our servant king. Today we're going to start with a story, a couple stories. One is titled The Christmas Tree Angel from Michigan. I found this online. I was very excited. I was like, oh, cool, someone from Michigan. When Michigan resident Chad Rose just happened to have an extra Christmas tree that was used on his business's parade float, he did what any decent person would do. He posted on Craigslist to give it away for free. For some, a tree is an annual necessity and an integral part of the holidays. But for many, it's an expense that needs to be saved for daily essentials. After posting this ad, his inbox was immediately flooded with the touching stories of why various families deserve to have this tree. With each email he read, it became clear how significant a simple tree can be in contributing to the holiday aura. One email, which he shared with MLive, read, Having a real Christmas tree would be such a great blessing this year because we usually draw a Christmas tree on a large poster and hang it in the corner. Realizing that $25 towards a tree was too much for some families to spare, Chad went out and bought 40 more to give away for free. He spent most of the next day going over his list of emails, checking it twice, and not paying much attention to his monotony or nice, just deserving. But the good holiday spirit in the story doesn't stop there. Anne Posant of East Grand Rapids read Rose's ad and contacted him, not to get, but to give. She offered to donate ornaments and other trimmings for the 40 trees he had picked up. Going out to gather more trees after realizing the impact it would have, those in need is just so generous, she said. It tells a lot about his character and makes you want to help. Here's another story. Several years ago, this woman was scheduled to be in an important event in Nashville, one that would have a major impact for the big dreams of big dreams God placed on her heart. To get there was a six-hour drive under the best conditions. And this doesn't drive from the snow girl was really stressing over the word snow appearing in the weather forecast. She knew that the part of her drive would lead her through the winding mountain roads of the gorge that sits between North Carolina and Tennessee. With numerous tractor trailers, tight lanes, and a concrete divider on that road, she always feels like she's filling in an Oreo, the filling in an Oreo cookie. She couldn't imagine doing that in the snow. And it looks like she might make it before the storm hit. But that pipe dream burst the next morning as she heard that several inches of snow had fallen in the country and the county not far from their travel route. She prayed and asked God to give her peace about what to do. She knew she was supposed to go, but she was very afraid. But she decided to make the drive. Snow started falling before she reached the gorge in a mountainous area far from civilization. She had that what was I thinking conversation with herself. But it was way too late. Then began a very heartfelt, God, please get me out of this mess. Thankfully, traffic was light. She guessed that other folks had more sense that day. But the situation got very bad very quickly. Despite the defroster, snow started to cover her windshield. She turned on the wiper blades and then realized she had a big problem that the wipers were frozen in place. She panicked more and more as the windshield turned white. 
and she couldn't pull off because she'd get stuck in the ice on the side of the road, and she sure did not want to get stranded there. By this time, there was only a small clearing on the windshield for her to see through. She knew she still had a ways to go before she would get to that gorge, and she knew that the one place of visibility became covered, she'd be in big trouble. And believe her when she tells you that she prayed her way all that day, claiming the verse from Psalm 56.3, when I'm afraid, I will trust you. She can't tell you how relieved she was that she actually made it through that gorge and onto the convention, where God had some, some divine appointments for her there. God stretched her out of her comfort zone that day, way out of her comfort zone. But she learned two important things, that he is a trustworthy God, and that when he calls on you to do something, he will take care of the circumstances, even if it's driving through a gorge on a snowy day. Now the question asked at the end of this story, does God want to lead you out of your comfort zone today? You can trust the one who has called you to the task. Today we're continuing on in this series of Jesus, the unexpected king. Jesus stands in stark contrast to all human kings. Born in poverty, raised in exile and secrecy, his neighbors thought he was simply another kid from their small town. Let's discover the truth about our unexpected king. In today's sermon will tackle what it means to love and serve one another as Jesus, our king, did. And remember, Jesus is going to return. We must be prepared for him. Questions. What does it mean to prepare for Jesus in this age? What does it mean to love and serve one another? What does it look like to be holy and blameless before the Lord? What does God require of us? And when do we do all of this? Today's scripture comes from 1 Thessalonians 3, 9-13. Starting in verse 9. How we thank God for you. Because of you, we have a great joy as we enter God's presence. Night and day, we pray earnestly for you, asking God to let us see you again to fill in the gaps of your faith. Verse 11 says, May God our Father and our Lord Jesus bring us to you very soon. And may the Lord make your love for one another and for all your people grow and overflow. Just as your love, our love for you overflows. May he, as a result, make your heart strong, blameless, and holy as you stand before God our Father when our Lord Jesus Christ comes again with all his holy people. Let's break this passage down. Verse 9 says, How we thank God for you. First, Paul is thanking God for the people of the church of Thessalonica. How cool. How cool to be thanked by one of the church leaders and church planters of that day. That you are one of the churches that he's thanking God for. I mean, I think we should thank God for every church and for every person in it. But it's cool to be mentioned in Scripture. Second, he states of how much he is praying for them, night and day, 
earnestly praying for you, says in verse 10. Third, he gives them specific themes of prayer for the church. That the Lord may make your love for one another flow and overflow, grow and overflow. Fourth, he calls them to love and to be holy and blameless before the Lord when he returns. Love overflowing. Paul calls the, both the church of Thessalonica and us to have love overflowing for one another. Verse 12 in chapter 3 of 1 Thessalonians says, And may the Lord make your love for one another and for all people grow and overflow, just as our love for you overflows. He also says it to the church in Philippi. Philippians 1.9 says, I pray that your love will overflow more and more, and that you will keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. Serving and loving one another. Just as the third church in Thessalonica was told to love one another more, we are called to love one another just as Jesus loves us. Like Jesus, who came to live and to serve, we are called to serve one another. Remember that time when Jesus was at his last supper? And he wrapped a towel around his waist, got a basin of water, and washed his disciples' feet? That's the kind of service that we need to bring towards one another. Paul was writing to Thessalonica his hope and his prayer for them to become a more loving and serving church. They were already a great church. But he wanted them to become more loving and more serving. And I believe that God is also calling us to be a more loving church and a more serving church as well. All right, Aaron, you said that we need to be a more loving and serving church. What does that look like? What does that mean? What does it look like to serve, love one another? Be authentic with one another. It's fine to ask people how they're doing and say okay or good or well or whatever, but really be authentic with one another. This is a safe place for us. This should be a safe place for us. We're allowed to talk to each other about what we're going through, about what's happening in our lives. Be authentic with one another. And when you hear that, be encouraging. You know? Be encouraging face-to-face. -face. Be encouraging through a text or a call, a card. Slip a $100 bill to them. It's really encouraging. I'm just kidding. Don't do that. Unless, you, unless God tells you to slip $100 to somebody. I, I'm not that person. I don't think I have a $100 bill walking around just to give it. Be giving. Be giving of your time, your talents, and treasures, as I've said in sermons before, as I've been taught over the years to me and to others. Be present. Don't necessarily be thinking about what you did yesterday, what you're going to do tomorrow, what you're going to do later. You have time for that, like when you drive or something like that. You have time to think about those things. Be present in the moment with one another. 
be sincere. If you got a smile on your face, and you really got a smile on your face because you're really happy, that's great. But if you're smiling and you're feeling bad on the inside, it's being fake. You gotta be sincere. That's how we serve one another. That's how we love one another. Through sincerity. What does it look like to serve one another? Being there for them. You know, sometimes people go through tough times. And those tough times bring in a lot of heartache and grief. And it's a lot for someone to bear. We can serve one another by being there for one another. Help them to meet their needs. Help them to meet their needs. Whether it's physical, mental, emotional, or spiritual. Help to meet people's needs, especially within our own church walls and those who are online part of our church. There are people who need things right now in our church. They need prayer, they need physical things, like, I can't think of specific things, but they need things right now. Be praying about what to do. Okay? I've been challenged to do something for someone. And I hope that I can help them out in the best way possible. And also, within the church, use your spiritual giftings. Use what God has given you, the Holy Spirit, to serve one another, to equip this church, to encourage one another, to lift them up, to grow each other. Use your spiritual giftings. All right. Paul also says for us to be holy and blameless. Paul is calling us to become set apart in obedience to God's command, God's commandments to him as we live out our days here on this earth. When should we start doing this? Now. Now. Advent is as good as time to start following the two greatest commandments. To love God with all that you are and all that you do, and to love others as yourself. Then we can go out to the world and make disciples. Love above all. Obedience and love for God goes before loving others and then yourself. We must love first in order to reach others for Jesus. Our love for others and for God provides the conduit into which we can tell others about Jesus. We can also give them a glimpse of, of who Jesus is through our love. We're talking about making disciples here. Making disciples through showing love to one another and to others. Don't just go out with, you know, blanket statement of truth, albeit true, without first having a loving relationship with that person or those people. And just as I said before, now is the time. 
And at the time of writing his letters to the church, Paul was anticipating seeing Jesus again very soon. We should share in that same anticipation. Not in a fearsome or weird way, but in a way that we anticipate spending time with family and friends at Christmas. That Jesus is coming back, and we get to be with him. Advent is both a time of remembering the birth of our Savior and anticipating his great return to earth. And remember, we are living in a time closer to his return, most likely, than his first arrival. Definitely closer than Paul in the first century Christians. They thought it was happening at the end of the Roman Empire. That's when they thought it was Jesus was coming back. And what about this age that I talk about, this present age? In this present age, the age of the church, we're living between the time of Christ and his return to start a new age. This present age is full of wars, rumors of wars, pandemics, disasters, violence, and death. However, this age is also filled with new life, times of peace, people of hope, and pursuits of God. We cannot lose heart in this unprecedented time. For Jesus gives us all hope that we need to get through it all. And Jesus is going to return. And Luke 21, verses 25 through 36, Jesus is talking about when the Son of Man returns and all the signs and wonders that will occur. And as we begin our new church year, we hear the promises of the Lord's coming. That expectation that we feel in these days before Christmas shouldn't be caused because we're excited that Santa is coming to bring us presents. But that Jesus is coming back in the midst of uncertain events going in on the heavens and on the earth we hear the promise that the Son of Man is on his way Jesus calls us from the future and assures us look at that fig tree and all of the trees it says in Luke 21 29-31 as soon as they sprout leaves you can see for yourselves and know that summer is already near so also when you see these things taking place you know that the kingdom of God is near. We can have hope in these uncertain times because there are signs that cause us to hope, not to despair. Jesus tells us that we can have hope in the midst of difficult times. There are signs all around us. And people are distraught by the events that are happening around them. And verse 36 in Luke 21 says, coming with the power and great glory that Jesus will come back again. The signs that are happening around us are not supposed to make us lose heart, but to be strengthened in our walk of faith. In the midst of the heavens and the earth being shaken, we can rejoice in the Lord. We can endure these times, and unpleasant and downright atrocious as they may be, because we have a God will see us through. We have a God who will not abandon us in the midst of the roaring sea. We endure these times because we do not endure them alone. We stand firm in the midst of the signs because our salvation is at hand. Jesus encourages us by saying, be alert, praying that you may have the strength with God at your side 
to escape all these things that will take place and to stand before the Son of Man. Jesus arrived to us as a servant king, and we are to live as if he is returning at any time. Advent is a chance for us to look forward, to see the world, not for what it is, but for what it can be. Advent is a call for us to see the signs and the sun and the moon and the stars, the distress among the nations. And instead of being afraid, to stand up and to raise your heads. For we, the people of God, can see the God at work in unlikely places, because your redemption is drawing near. Sermon in a Sentence Advent Now is the time to serve as our servant king served. Now is the time to serve as our servant king served. Matthew 20, 28 says, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others, and to give his life as a ransom for men. And in Mark 10, 45, it echoes the same thing. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others, and to give his life as a ransom for men. So we've got two scriptures that say the same thing in the Gospels. That Jesus is our servant king. And we are called to love and to serve others just as Jesus loved and served us. Servant leadership. We must lead others to Jesus by serving them as Jesus served his disciples. We must live lives of living as servants to those around us. We must love them as much as we love ourselves. We need to take care of those around us, especially during this time of year. People need more help and hope than ever. Advent. Now is the time to serve as our servant king. Our job is to become a church of love and of servitude. Paul commends the church of Thessalonica for being a great church, but calls them to be greater, just as he calls us to be greater. Because remember, we have room to grow as well. Not only in number, but spiritually, individually, we have room to grow. And Advent is the season to begin anew in anticipation of Jesus' return. Today, I wanted to challenge you and to remind you that we are called to love and serve one another. That Advent is not only a time to get pretty flowers, twinkling lights, lovely decorations, getting presents for one another, but a time to really dig in deep and to love and to serve people because they really need it. Here within these walls, within our online presence, and in our community, people need hope. They need to see our faith in action. They need to see us doing what it is that Jesus did for us. <clears throat> Let us pray.
Heavenly Father, you've given us today to learn more about you and what you want from us. You've given us this time of Advent and anticipation and preparation for the birth of your Son, Jesus. And also, to think about his return here on this earth. Father God, you have given us each a set of gifts and talents and entrusted us with such treasures to not only sustain us, but to give in and of ourselves to other people. Just as the church in Thessalonica was called to be holy and blameless before the Lord, we are called to be set apart to be obedient to you. Help us, Lord. Help us to be obedient to you. Help us to love you. Help us to love others as Jesus loved us. For we are your people, and we are your servants. You are our king, that unexpected king, who said, I'm going to go down from heaven and be born as a baby and live a life as a person. At a time and a place, specifically designed for your enemy. Help us now to realize our impact on those around us and to make it filled with hope, positivity, and love. Be with us now as we prepare to leave these walls, to log off Facebook, and to love and serve one another. Whatever it is that God is calling you to do today, Holy Spirit, I ask that you challenge us and awaken our spirits and awaken our hearts to do something for someone else. We ask all these things in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, it's snowing outside again. Go, just as Jesus told his disciples to. Go out into this world and be a light that shines brightly in the midst of darkness, in the midst of despair. Be vessels of hope as you live out your faith today, tomorrow, and all the rest of your days. Go, for you are sent.